I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Did Mrs. Delphire tuck? <laughs> no. Because she was wearing those long skirts. Yeah, but she... she was also wearing pantyhose. I if if Robin Williams' character is a cis man, I don't think he would. I don't think he would tuck. No, I th- I think I think she tucked for the experience to feel fish. To feel fish, she wanted to feel the soft and cunt. Welcome to Like a Virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Domu. I. I'm Fran Tirado, and I love that you gave that a what to do to die today. To die today, a minute or two till two. <laughs> you really a thing distinctly the, uh, hard to say, but harder still to do. The, um, did you ever so, have to? What other like kind of? Did you have to do budiga mananga patka? Oh, I had to do all of them. You know, I was a theater girl. Oh, I know. I literally went to acting school to do all of them. Speaking of red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Speaking of acting school, I did ditch my last class. Um, good. Uh, good. I feel so like after, <laughs> after your venting session on air last week, I think that was the right choice to make. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody in the class like well, knows who I am or like what that I have that I'm talking about. No, I meant the right choice for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank because you. you. Because you um, had so many... <laughs> Um, uh, you know, <laughs> negative things to say about it at length. <laughs> yeah, I really did, and I should I should also say that I just for the record that I did not ditch, so to speak. I, it is it was like my last full day in LA, or it was, and um, was supposed to be. You were supposed to be in. in New York today. I was, but you're not. I'm I texted not. you bright and early this morning. I texted you. Taylor Swift's masterpiece, Welcome to New York, which I thought was really nice and welcoming of me. Yeah. And you are still in Los Angeles. No, I really appreciated the message, even though I do kind of think that's the worst song on 1989. Well, let's not. I don't want to start a fight this early (laughs) in the show. (laughs) Well, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's, you know, my least favorite. No, no, no. Move on. Move on. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, well, I ha- let me tell you, I saw Phoebe on Sunday. It was quite lovely. We, w- we, w- we missed you. We wished you were at my uh, moving sale. 
Oh, I thought you guys just hooked up. Yeah, but. we. <laughs> um, Phoebe came to pick up a uh, a, a night uh, a nightstand, some some dishware. Um, after hustling me on prices, is that right, Phoebe? We we really had some negotiation happening. So, um, how generally was the sale? Did you get rid of lots of stuff? Rose, I actually don't think I was prepared for what actually happened. I sent out an email the night before that was like, do not come before noon. If I hear a buzz before noon, like, no, I didn't. Like, I will not respond. 12.01. I get a buzz. I go down to, like, let this person in. There is a line of more than 20 people. LA's hottest club e- is. <laughs> easily, easily two dozen people waiting outside my apartment. Oh I my was God. so gooped. Like, and I honestly, here's the thing. Did you I, take any Anon loads that day? I, did I did I take 75 loads? The guy that took 75 loads literally lives a few blocks away from that apartment. He was probably at the sale. He was probably What? <laughs> Wait, did you Wait, Phoebe just told us that she hooked up with someone in the bathroom at Friends Moving Sale. What? Phoebe, Phoebe. Phoebe, are you making an appearance on the show? I I need actually, do you want to share? Can you, you're like, I can't. Okay, well, the well, the virgins no. will just have to, you know, well, the, this will remain cloaked in mystery. Okay, this will remain cloaked in mystery. Um, uh, all you need to know is that, um, you know, Rose, you and I, we've had a, we've had a lot of trials and tribulations with Los Angeles flake culture. It's really difficult to get people to show up for things on time, let alone show up to things at all. And now I, I figured out that if I ever want any of my friends, loved ones, colleagues, followers to show up to something, all I have to do is tell them that I'm having an estate sale. And they will show up on time. Because they think you're dead and they have to pay respects yes. to your, your, your exquisite corpse. And, you know, I use the word, I use the term estate sale like as a joke. And I don't quite know if everyone there thought. It was a joke. Um, but I did sell really nice stuff, so... Your you estate know. sale because I finally killed you. Yes, because you finally killed me. But um, anyways, what, <laughs> what did you do this weekend, Rose? Um, I had... Um, sex. A lot of sex. <laughs> I am in such... I know we talked about that I was like trying to jumpstart a slut era. Honey... It's it has been, been started. It has been the parties, as in the immortal words of Pink. Um, what is the actually? What is the Pink song that I'm referencing? Uh, let this. Let's get this party started. I'm coming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you better yeah. get this party started. Um, yeah, I am a whore. Hmm. I'm. I am News to in. Us. I am in a whore era. Oh. Um, no, this weekend I had some sex. I went to a screening of the classic animated film Anastasia um, <gasps> with friend of the show and our, and friend Hunter Harris mm. at Nighthawk, which was mm. um, it was like a BuzzFeed comment section in a movie theater. Was um, there was there you know a talk back afterward about about uh, the Russian dynasty and a no Rasputin's no but, but this guy this guy did introduce the movie and he felt it necessary to tell us that he was gay and I was like babe we knew <laughs> honey if um, you're introducing Anastasia you're a homosexual 
I also ran into a rosebud while I was out furniture shopping. That was very nice. I Ooh. love my fans. There were many rosebuds furniture shopping at my at my sale this this weekend. Who I forgot. I they wanted to all send their love to you. A lot of people oh, saying, a lot so of people sweet. at the sale saying, "Say hi to Rose. Say hi to Rose." Um, why is a rose here? A lot of people that didn't know that you're not in LA anymore. A lot of, a lot of people that are like. I have kind of realized that is some people don't don't seem to be don't seem to have caught on to the fact that I switched coasts. No, no, a lot of people, you know, still kind of figuring it out, and that's how you like it. You like to keep people on your toes about your exact location at any yes. time. And I I'm, want an air of mystery around me at. Literally all times. And um, I myself take, I take a lot of pride in, and actually I'm very profitable in um, making sure that no one knows where I live at any time, nor what I do for a living. Um, and I think that that is just something that Well, isn't I, that I just because maintain. you don't do anything for a living? Because I don't, because I don't do anything. <laughs> Neither and, of us do. And we I don't, don't live anywhere. We don't have jobs. I don't do anything and I don't live anywhere. And that is just what should be said. Well, that's um, all about to change, Mama. It is. Um, you know what else I did this weekend? What'd so on on Friday night after watching Drag Race, some friends and I decided to start rewatching and just like that, which I have not watched so since it up. was first airing. So fucked. So fu- <laughs> what the fuck? And then Who does and that? I just and then um, one of them had to leave because their like family cat died, and so <laughs> I just ca- I, so I just kept watching and just like that, and then watched it the next day too, and watched the whole season in like two days, and it. It really is as insane as we remember it being. It's like, it's not that it's bad. Like, this is the thing. It's not that it's bad. It's not. But it just, the things that we remember about it, like the, the, the Che Diaz of it all, the like extreme wokeness. That all is as bad as we remember it because it's such an overcorrection, like that is, that directly comes from all the criticisms that were always, you know, leveled at Sex in the City, that it didn't reflect the real New York City because it wasn't diverse and, you know, the ways it treated, you know, queer people and people of color. And it just, like, it just corrected those things in the wrong way in the wrong instead way. of actually folding queer people and people of color organically into the story. It, like, Made Che Diaz, yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, it, and it, like every person on the show is like a non-binary diva. Uh, I mean, kind of, yeah. Uh, I I feel like Miranda's gonna transition at some point. I, I think it's happening. Well, did you see that tweet that was going around no. of the photo that someone had taken in LA and it said Che and Miranda are fighting on my street? <gasps> no. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that. Che will. Uh, this is what I'm hoping and okay. what I'm thinking. Okay, is that you know Miranda will go to LA with Che. That's how the second season will start. Right. But I think they'll break up with it. They'll the break first up couple pretty episodes. quickly. Yeah, and because Mar- Miranda has to come back to New York, and I think they'll want to get rid of Che. I think so that he's more of a looming presence as opposed to an everyday. They. Ah, did I say he? You did. Well. Well, um, Fran just misgendered Che Diaz. Uh, 
<laughs> oh my god i'm sorry i'm just sorry the jokes the, I, I couldn't have written it better myself i'm i'm honestly disoriented i the I, non-binary I, trans podcaster misgendered the non-binary <laughs> trans podcaster I, I honestly okay maybe i will tell the virgins maybe maybe i'm just kind of still in a certain headspace after seeing chadia's out at come on everybody um a few weeks ago where where they were giving he maybe they were giving he him in the in the kind of leather snapback they were they were wearing and and it just it stuck with me and but i that i i appreciate you holding me accountable in that moment you know i, I always not will be, i wish shouldn't be perceiving gender at any time at any point um in any way thank you <laughs> should we not should no. we not be perceiving gender no never Never. We shouldn't be assuming gender, but no, we no, should no. be perceiving it. No, no, no. Gender should never be perceived. We should just actually see everyone as, like, just faceless, gooey-like orbs. Just these floating balls of light. You're really reminding me of what I was doing this weekend. <laughs> Flo- floating, floating balls ba- of light, honey. <laughs> okay, okay, here's... I have a bone to pick with men. Okay. Uh, why, I need to continue. Why do you jerk off when we're gonna hook up? Why do you jerk off before I get there? Do people do, do, intentionally okay, and I, meaning and like I the, realize the date was that I'm already being, set? Yeah, and I realize that I'm being hypocritical because I said recently, "Oh yeah, that I like to jerk off yeah. before I have a hookup." But so I know, it. I know myself, and I know yeah. that for me, that's a warm up, and that I have at least two more nuts left in me. And these fuckers, I show up, and they're fucking soft. And it's like it's one thing if you like can't get hard and you're just like it's whatever like it's fine don't worry about it but like if you can't get hard and you want me to suck your dick pretending like it's hard in an effort to get you hard no 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 No. i mean this is not improv class babe (laughs) yes i'm saying i'm saying no but (laughs) i'm saying no but um no and Um, no but you're soft no no but you're soft (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I don't really want to 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 solve the Swedish puzzle box that is how do I get you hard again? Um, sometimes, especially with guys these days, or people with dicks who are just you know we're they're on de- antidepressants, on Adderall, on Estradiol, on all of the things, <laughs> all of the above, all of the all of the uh, some of us for some of us all of the above. Um, Alexa, some 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 divas, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, some divas among us have multiple boner deterrents in our system, and therefore you know, can't get it up. But like, if I have to figure that out, it's like, that is, that is a, I really care about you if I'm going to figure, if I'm going to figure that out for you. And if I don't, then you don't have to be hard and, and that's okay. We'll, we'll find no, out. No, it's fi- like, I'm fine if you're not hard. Yeah. I don't feel any sort of way about it. Same. If you're still down to clown. You know, I've, if I already know them, like, I feel like I do, I, 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 if I already kind of know what their thing is, like if I know you love nipples or if I know you love XYZ, it is kind of fun sometimes to be like, okay, let's Let's get your engines revved, sweetie. Um, but I, uh, yeah, no, it's it's it requires a lot of a lot of patience, time, consideration, and uh, that's just those are things that you and I, that girls and us, <laughs> have don't very have. little of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the spoons. Don't have to the care spoons. about to care about your flaccid penis, <laughs> especially not when I I just feel like I give so much. I'm always hard. <laughs> <laughs> I am, it's just never been a problem for me. I like don't, I don't get it. And I just feel similarly like, um, I can't get I'm hard, hard right now. 
I'm hard right. And I, on the flip side, um, can't really get hard for um, the boner deterrence aforementioned. And so, you know, you just you just pop a Viagra. Much like Samantha in season two of, is that season two of Sex in the City? Yeah, I watched it the other night because after I finished in Just Like That, what did I do? I started watching Sex in the City. Um, uh, Samantha getting addicted to Viagra is actually one of the funniest things that's ever happened on Sex in the City. Her singing operatically as that guy fucks her is actually, <laughs> it, yeah, incredible. Is comedy gold. She Nothing. did that a couple times. Yeah. She sort of had a, an operatic, um, <laughs> you know, crescendo more than once. She's kind of giving some Ray, <laughs> and she's also kind of giving hello, hello. <laughs> From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you there, God? It's me, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello! Hello! <laughs> why, yeah, why that, why that is... <laughs> Hello! Why is that so funny? <laughs> because it is! Because it's because transphobic. Because it is. Um, okay, so... Mrs. Doubtfire... <laughs> Is a trans icon. <laughs> that that's where we're starting. <laughs> that's where we're starting. That is a definitive statement, fully supported by every person on this podcast, by iHeartRadio Incorporated <laughs> LLC. Um, Critics by all podcasts around everywhere. the world. Yes, yes, yes. Mrs. Doubtfire is a trans icon. Yes. Before disclosure, there was Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Before Tangerine. is Mrs. Doubtfire featured in disclosure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is because okay, it's so in th- a negative way, right? <laughs> yeah. So this she is. This, this she is. <laughs> We, virgins, we are so excited to do this. As we've said before, Mrs. Doubtfire was a primordial episode of this podcast, a a preeminent practice episode that Rose and I did. Um, So Rose and I were not virgins to this movie, obviously. It is, is, as Rose might say, 
monoculture. It's yeah, monocultural. and one of the formative films of my childhood. It's also the reason I'm trans. It's the reason. I, it's the reason I'm trans. No, when um, I went, when I went to Callan Lord that <laughs> fateful day in February, I said, "Give me the Mrs. Doubtfire special stat." Yeah. When I when I go to Spain for my FFS, I'm showing them a photo of Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, <laughs> of of, of um, Euphigenia Doubtfire. Euphigenia, yeah. Um, okay, so wait, I, we're jumping. I'm going back. So um, Mrs. Doubtfire obviously was mentioned in Disclosure in a negative way, and yeah, it does belong to this era of just to like level set with the virgins. It does belong to this era of movies where men dressing up as women, whether it was like um, Big Mama's House. Yeah. Quote, unquote. unquote, Big Mama's House. um, Tootsie, which I've actually never seen. Um, Like, uh, these movies were in, like, men dressing up as women or, like, hiding out as women. Um, And that's, like, the gag was, like, you know, the peak of comedy. And it was. Still is. (laughs) Still Still is. We're gonna get in so much trouble. Um, I don't care if this is if this is the episode that finally gets us canceled. You know, so be it. So be it. So a hill worth um, dying on for anyone who is a virgin to Mrs. Doubtfire. It is a 1993 um, comedy starring Robin Williams, who is daddy. Let's be clear, and also in this film is mommy, his mother, (laughs) his mother. So, um, so it stars Robin Williams, also Sally Field, mm-hmm. Icon, Pierce Brosnan, Harvey Firestein. Like this cast is stacked. It was directed by um, Chris Columbus, who also directed the Home Alone films, the first two Harry Potter movies. Also um, in the cast, so, Icon, J.K. Mara Rowling, Wilson. J.K. Rowling um, connection. So it's what? all it's it's all connected. Shut um, up. This Shut this was up. the film that radicalized J.K. Rowling as as a rad femme. I was gonna say that's that's actually the only thing that connects us to J, to J.K. Rowling is that we this is both our favorite films. <laughs> yeah, for very different reasons. For very different reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's some overlap. So, so the movie the movie is about. Um, a man named um, quote unquote man named Daniel Hillard, who um, you know he he and his wife Sal- Sally Field um, have three kids and their marriage is in trouble. And he's um, a voice actor. Like I think the I, the opening of the film is so iconic where he's doing mm-hmm. um, the the animation dubbing, mm-hmm. and um, you know Sally Field decides to divorce him, and he is you know not not going to be allowed to see his kids. And so as a way to get to spend time with them, um, he finds out that Sally Field is looking for a nanny and he creates with the help of his brother, Harvey Firestein, this character of Mrs. Doubtfire, who's this older English, um, like the perfect, like quintessential older English lady who, Mm -hmm. you know, comes in and cares for the children and sort of like, um, Changes everyone li- everyone's yeah. lives for the better, but it's actually um, their dad in drag. Bootleg transsexual Mary Poppins is kind of like what is happening a little bit. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, this film was um, a huge, a huge success. Um, it grossed $441.3 million on a $25 million budget. Um, I did yeah. not know that. 
<laughs> yes, as Phoebe just said, the best drag show in the world. The most um, successful drag show in history. RuPaul wishes. Um, and it really is a, a film that has, I think, stood the test of time. It was made into a to musical a that I don't think was super successful. It's one of my favorite 90s movies. Um, it, I think, at the time, like spoke to me as a child like I of course I could make jokes about you know like the, the cross-dressing yeah. transness of it all but I think the thing that I really um liked about it as a kid was that it was a story about um a family going through a divorce and I'm a child of divorce oh and so and I think like particularly the particularly this time in the 90s there was a I, I don't I don't know a lot of people from that time in my life whose parents didn't get divorced. Hmm. And so I think maybe like this was the right moment for um this movie and the culture. And something else that I think should be noted and part of why I think the reason Mrs. Doubtfire stands the test of time, but despite being quote unquote problematic um in, in some ways, is that Robin Williams is there's no one who can do what he does what he did and does in this movie so expertly and perfectly like he has an unpredictability and so many of the things that he says on screen are completely improvised um and i don't know yeah i just i i'm sorry phoebe 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 just dropping in the chat that she had that that i wanted sally field and mrs doubtfire to hook up which like listen we can find you that fan fiction or that fan art Um, we really good sure it exists Um, um to back up rose when you do you remember like first seeing this movie yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. Okay. Do you remember, like, even if it wasn't that viewing, do you remember just, like, how the movie made you feel as a kid? Because I feel like I can kind of pinpoint it. Yeah, I um, loved... I, I have a very, you know, vivid memories of especially that opening scene where he's in the recording booth. And I think, like, this was one of the first times that Robin Williams became... Um, you know, um, a figure in my childhood, mm. like through this film. Um, I, I think mostly like my experience of it were impressions, like uh, Mrs. Doubtfire with the the cake on her face mm. and um, Pierce Brosnan getting out of the pool was like an early, like erotic memory of mine. And, um, you know, Sally Field kind, kind of being like the shrill, like working mom was very, I mean, um, not, not. I don't want to say true to my own life experience, but like it was certainly familiar. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I just thought like this was um, there. I I do think there was like kind of um, a golden age of like family comedies around this time mm. um, because I think later those morphed into in the later 90s those morphed into rom-coms mm. and this was really like fun for the whole family and it was like specifically a family story and mm. there wasn't really any romance in it and um, that's something kind of amazing about it as like a cultural object is that me some a kid who was like so so sheltered Somehow, this was like slipped through the crack. This is something that all parents, so many different backgrounds, still wanted to watch, even though it's about like a cross dresser. And, um, you know, in terms of like my earliest memories, I do, I watched it with my family. Like, my family loved this movie. There was nothing kind of like 
weird or problematic about it. But I remember the moment where Robin Williams goes over to Har- Harvey Firestein's house, right? And he's a faggot and they're putting him in drag. And I remember being like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what's going on? Like, it, like seminal, like, gender things in me were terrified. I was like, this is so scary, and I've never seen this before. That scene definitely was an awakening, and I think for me what it was, was I, it was my first experience of, even though I didn't recognize that at a time, seeing other queer people um, having a shared language, mm. and wanting to understand the things that they were referencing. Like when Mm. she looked kind of like Barbara and they started singing Mm. matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Mm. I was like, wait, what? I want to know what that's from. Like, I want to know where these inside jokes are coming from. And um, that I think is like um, an experience that all queer people have in common. And one of the things that, you know, like unifies us as a community is like, our taste and the pieces of culture that we pick out for ourselves. Um, And I think that scene specifically, like even though Robin Williams in this movie is not queer, allegedly. (laughs) No. (laughs) Although I I, I think an argument could be made and maybe we'll try to make that argument over the course of this episode. The the graduate thesis is that we could pull up right now that people (laughs) would have probably written. But that to me felt like, you know, some gays kikiing. Mm-hmm. And it was. And it was also a very satisfying makeover montage as well. Oh, the you know? most satisfying. Yeah. It's like very. that and Pretty Woman, I think, yeah. were the, <laughs> like the like proto early 90s mm. movie makeover montages. Yeah. Princess Diaries was early aughts, right? Because that was also a very satisfying makeover montage. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So when we rewatched it, the things that we were latching onto are we're trans, we're trans. 
<laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? I mean? This is, you know, there. I think there are a few readings of this film. Like, there is, like, the very literal reading of what it is. There's also a very drag reading of this film. and I There's think also the, a turf reading of this film. There's a turf reading of this film. And I do think there's a trans reading of this film. Yeah, because, 100%. because um, you know, there is... There is a way you could look at this film and say, like, this person is, um, you know, experiencing gender euphoria (laughs) by inhabiting this, you know, female presentation that at the end of the movie, like, I think the interesting thing about this movie is that it doesn't end with Mrs. Doubtfire Mm. being cast off. She still exists through the end of the film. And, like, it almost is like you know, Daniel has emerged with Mrs. Doubtfire. And I do think like in a sequel film is maybe like he is, she is living full time as Iphigenia Doubtfire. Oh yes. Oh yes. I mean, she's, if she's a star as Iphigenia, then she's a star. Okay. Let's keep it there. Um, Like I think, I think, I think, um, Mrs. Doubtfire is, like, the proto, like, trans showgirl. Like, starts off doing drag and then and then transitions. Yeah. And had to do it in secret, right? Like, when she was doing drag, no one knew she was doing drag. And dra- and and a lot of, you know, drag, drag art forms at the time, it's like you had to be incognito. You had to cosplay as a woman. Like, you had to be a quote-unquote cross-dresser. Um, and let's say in this. In order to be viable by culture. And let's say this. Mrs. Doubtfire... Unclockable. <laughs> Unclockable. Not a single person clocked her tea. Never. Not Never. a single person in this film clocked her tea. If Never. only I could if I, if only I could be as unclockable. If only I could pass as hard as Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, Halloween costume this year? Hmm? <laughs> Maybe I will be Mrs. Doubtfire well, for Halloween. Con- considering considering that your like previous best Halloween costume is also that of an old woman. Like, old I, Rose. Uh, yeah, is that I, is that the secret to being is that the secret to passing, like to be elderly? To be elderly, yeah. <laughs> it's because like there is something about age that's like a little it's like so gendered while also being like a little post gender that maybe is the sweet spot of unclockability. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, uh, when Alexis Stone puts on that Mrs. Doubtfire drag for the fucking Balenciaga show, unclockable. No one would ever look twice at her, okay? Um, yeah, I... Oh, God. I, uh, she is... I, I really do... I would never want a reboot of this movie, but I would no, love to no, see... No, no, no. No, never. No, I don't want them to touch it. It would be so no. bad. It yeah, would have they would to try be to make so woke. Yes, yeah. they would try to make it trans. They would try to make it woke. And also, this just this movie can't really exist without Robin Williams. It's just there's no. no one that can do a version of it. There's no one who can take what Robin did and do something different. Like it just it can't be done. But like I do, I do think that the fashion is great, and that's something that's like kind of funny about Alexis Stone as Mrs. Doubtfire. Now it's like. The old lady, like, floral print thing is in. Like, Granny is in. Yes. Let's be clear. Mrs. Doubtfire was serving cunt. <laughs> She's serving you cunt. She's giving cunt to Cunt to Um, Is this your favorite Robin Williams performance? No. Just because um, uh, Aladdin was a very formative object in, like, my childhood between me and my mom when I was, like, like 
five, six, like my earliest, one of my earliest cultural memories is watching Aladdin. And um, I love that you latched onto the first scene when he's doing all this, these voices because the, all the voices that Robin Williams does in that scene are, one, probably a lot of them are imp- improvised, but two, actually, I'm pretty sure I remember watching something about Robin Williams and learning that many of those voices are actually improvised. But in Aladdin as well, a lot of those lines are improvised and they like did the animation around it. And I just think that what Robin does as a voice actor specifically, which is again showcased, if not kind of um it's like a kind of um cipher for Robin Williams as a character in a little bit of in a few ways as a very talented voice actor, that like his ability to vacillate between so many different personalities is like fucking cool like it's and when you watch him do it on the mic you're like how is he doing that and i think that that was encapsulated in aladdin what about you is that i'm assuming this is your favorite it, it is mrs doubtfire although i will say i'll throw you a curveball and okay. say that a close second for me is one of his rare dramatic roles um have have you ever seen what dreams may come no what is that okay what dreams may come is this movie that was on hbo like all the time when I was a kid, or like maybe Showtime or Cinemax. And it's a film in which Robin Williams dies and goes to heaven. Okay. And his like guardian angel is, I think, played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay. Um, but then um, his wife, who's still alive, kills herself and goes to hell. And so he leaves heaven and goes to hell to save her. And it's hmm. it's a very... Like really visually stunning movie, and it was probably a flop, but um, I really appreciated it. You know, I've never seen Dead Poet Society. Oh, you wouldn't like it that much. Okay. <laughs> I don't. It's like a. It's like a slow. It's a. It's a slow, sad movie about like masculinity and pedagogy and like mentorship. Um, oh, pass. Yeah, gorgeously written, like really earnest. Um, doesn't really it's an it's a doesn't really have a lot of laughs a lot it doesn't have it doesn't have the Robin Williamsy kind of characterizations it has the Robin Williams who had depth the Robin Williams who you know was sitting with so much darkness that we never really knew about as well mm, yeah I did used to watch Mork and Mindy a lot when it was on Nick that's the gay one. Is, no, is it's he gay in that one. Well, I mean, kind of. He's he's an alien, so like. Oh right. You know, maybe he's kind of gay. Robin I, Williams has played gay before in something. Else. What were we gonna do say? Do you think Robin Williams is hot? Because I do. I think uh, he's so sexy. The only time I've thought that Robin was hot was when I was seeing uh, some of a lot of these kind of. Whenever we see like occasional tributes to Robin Williams, they're like, oh, no one did it like Robin Williams. Like, I love this era where everyone's like, yeah, like Robin Williams was out here wearing like JPG and, and like, like Miyake. Yes, like great fashion, like gender bending, like on, on these kind of step and repeats and red carpet moments looking fine. Like, but also having a, a point of view in men's style that no one else had. He was very daddy. He was, he was uncle. He was yeah. so uncle. He. Oh, wait, that is so on the nose, Rose. Like, he yeah. was not giving daddy. He was giving uncle. Mm-hmm. He was yep. so uncle for that. He was uh, he is Uncle Ronnie's new whore. He's yeah. the uncle in Uncle Ronnie's new whore. Real real virgins will get that reference. Um, he, like, he's so, he's so hairy and, like, he's a little short and, like, mm-hmm. the glasses. Um, 
I think he's kind of sexy in Jumanji. Jumanji is another great Robin Williams movie. Same. Yeah, I, I loved Jumanji growing up. Do you think Mrs. Doubtfire is a dyke? Yeah, absolutely. Like, the honey, she plays soccer. <laughs> like, uh, she is a soccer diva, okay? Oh, Phoebe also said he was kind of gay and flubber, which is totally true. Another m- movie. I was allowed to watch almost any Robin Williams movie growing up, and I did watch that movie. Um, yeah. Wait, he, you know what part I love in Mrs. Doubtfire is when Mrs. Doubtfire is, like, kind of getting drunk, and the guy starts hitting on her, and... Her her leg hair is showing, and the guy right. is like, it's like, fine with like, me, fine with me. I'm into it. Hey, I like that you're like that. Um, and I think I think Mrs. Doubtfire was like, I think it's very much like, um, person who transitions and like has historically been straight mm. or like only into women, and then you know through experimenting with gender, they start to find that their you know sexuality is a bit more fluid. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that wasn't the conversation, but like that's the conversation we're having right now. <laughs> um, I'm trying. Obviously, like, so I, I, I feel like Rose. Between you and I, and the history of this podcast, the moment where we were like, "Oh, this is the funniest movie on the planet," is obviously when Mrs. Doubtfire plunges her face into a a, a cream pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it was coconut cream pie, key lime. Co- uh, yeah, coconut key lime a, mo- a moment. It was it was a, it was actually a, a Sunday Riley <laughs> or a lemon meringue pie. Maybe it's probably a lemon meringue. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 exactly. And I I don't know what, but something happened between you and I, Rose. Something no. happened that like singed us together. Like that. that it's that when was like... it's when she says hello. <laughs> Can we do another one? One, two, three. Hello. Uh, and it, and it, it was just like it was um nothing has ever been funnier nothing in it, a film has ever been funnier than Mrs. Doubtfire saying hello yes it's ineffable it's ineffigenia it's it is it is like really <laughs> like it was just fucking it was just funny and and I think that honestly part of the reason that Rose and I are being like a little trolly is because there is something absurdly funny about, like, a man dressing up as a woman and, like, being the hero of the story by way of, like, tricking, tricking, if not, like, usurping non-consensually his, like, friends, family, loved ones um, in a way it's, that, like, turfs hate, you know, yeah. in the way that turfs, like, demonize and in ways that in this part of culture we're monocultural. It's know? also very like Shakespearean almost. It's mm. like a little like Moliere, like French farce. Ooh, yeah. Um a, sh- sh- a comedy of errors, you know, yes. like yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, the the dr- the drag of it all, the the scene um at the restaurant where he has to keep where, where she has to keep she. she has to keep, you know, getting in and out of her guiche. The whole time? The whole time. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month. No matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know, obviously, like, a lot of what we're saying about Mrs. Doubtfire being a trans movie are, like, a little tongue-in-cheek, but there are so many parts of it that I look back at now and resonate with me so strongly. Like, the scene... With no wh- irony. With no irony. Like, the scene where um, Mrs. Doubtfire's son clocks her tea when she sees her standing up and peeing. Yes! Like, that, Fuck. to me, is trans. the trans experience. Trans! I, not, honestly, nothing is, like more gender affirming and more gender destroying than like lifting like the the lifting my skirt up at a urinal to piss which obviously like I have not done in a very long time it's like re- it's like I think the last time I did it was like at the glad awards in 2019 <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that photo um I yeah I I you know to to be transparent I pee sitting down but I but I but it is trans it is like there's there is a thing where it's just like that is a thing that's a that's that's a thing and we immediately latch on to it um yeah i i think that that kind of unnameable that unnameable trans quality is just i i definitely saw it as a kid yeah. even and if also, i didn't understand it also much like mrs doubtfire i do put on a full set of prosthetics every day <laughs> yes. before i go outside and that's yes. you know that's what makes it even um Harder when I do get misgendered because it's like, what the fuck did I fucking glue all the shit to my face for? Yeah, um, the double D's and a top and bottom <laughs> veneers that I have on right now, you are still clogging me. How dare Mrs. Doubtfire was giving body? <laughs> do you okay? Okay, if we're looking at Mrs. Doubtfire, okay, we we talked a little bit about like from a trans perspective, but I think uh-huh. a lot of drag queens love yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire as a drag figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's certainly so much there in the in the movie to support that reading or like that legacy that she has um you're actually pointing out something that i think is dare i say missing from this movie which is mrs doubtfire musical number um right. that could that could and should have happened and i think that we were even though we did get a little bit of like robin williams singing we really needed mrs doubtfire original song you know what i mean wait you know what i didn't even think about when we were talking about how hot robin williams is 
What? The hottest he was was in the birdcage when he was gay. Right. That's when he was the right. gayest. We forgot okay. that he actually did play gay opposite Nathan Lane. And he was so he was like giving like Versace like yeah. shirt open, like chest hair, gold chain, like sleazy Miami vibes. It was Versace. Yeah. And I so I've only seen that movie once, but like that movie, like Really, like, uh, the gayness of it all. Like, Robin Williams can... <laughs> I was going to say he can say faggot. Um, I'm not going to say that, though. I'm going to say Robin Williams... He can. Like, I'll say he, it. He can. <laughs> he can say faggot. He, was, he can say he tranny, played, too. <laughs> no! <laughs> he, he, was so, he was so effortless in a gay role. He had no qualms and had no was unfazed by the task of being gay. But I've only seen that movie once, and I just remember the... The plot of that movie is, like, insane, right? Like, what's the plot yeah, it of that is. movie? The plot of the movie is that um, they're this gay couple who own um, a nightclub in Miami. Their son is getting married, but um, his bride-to-be's parents don't know that his dads are gay. It, right. I mean, it's based off La Caja Faux. And so right. when the parents come to visit, Nathan Lane... Um, dresses in drag to, you know, p- play... To pretend. The, like to, to, to pretend that he that they are a, a hetero couple. Right, so it's like a, Christine Baranski. Yes. So it's another at being a homophobe. So I would actually say that I think maybe The Birdcage and Mrs. Doubtfire exist in the same cinematic universe. So Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, like, broke up. Robin Williams yeah. married Sally Field. And then the plot of Mrs. Doubtfire happened, and he was like, wait, wait, wait. This worked once before. It could work again. Uh, I thought you were going to say that, like, after Nathan, you know, uh, had this, like, stint. After Nathan Lane had this stint as as dressing up as a woman, he realized, she realized. She transitioned into she Sally real- Field? Yes. No, 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 no. I was going to say she transitioned to whatever, you know, her new name was. I don't know what her, her, her like, kind of drag name was in... Um, the birdcage, but I was going to say she transitioned, and then later in Robin Williams' wife, later after Sally Field happened, she transitioned as well, and now Mrs. Doubtfire and Nathan Lane as a woman are a T for T couple. Couple. That's where I thought you were going. Um, I I would support that. I think. Thank that, you. That works as well. Um, I something else that's amazing about um the birdcage was Christine Baranski playing a homophobe. There like need to be more movies and TV shows where Broadway divas play homophobes. Like, Patti Lapone has like done Patti it Lepone now. Patti Lapone in AHS? Yes. And pa- in Pose? And in Ugly Betty. <laughs> yes. Mm, typecasting? Played- yes, typecasting much. Yeah, I'm need- sure Patti Lapone is a little bit of a homophobe with oh, how, for- like the amount of gays screaming at her all day, every day, her entire life. In the words of Madonna, she would kill fags who hate women. Period. Like, uh, yeah, I, I think that like, um, yeah, Patty, any sort of diva that wants to play a homophobe can because she's earned that right as a lauded diva. So I never saw the Mrs. Doubtfire musical that was either just on the West End or was maybe also on Broadway. Um, we need to see it. And no, I. <laughs> oh, oh, it was bad. Oh, so I'm I'm there's a couple um fun facts here on the the Mrs. Doubtfire Wikipedia page. A young Blake Lively was almost one of the children. 
So what? Okay. That, you know, um, Warren Beatty um, was almost <gasps> Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, and also Tim Allen was almost Mrs. Doubtfire, but turned down both the roles probably because he is um, as, as he's a horrible person. I think he's like a conservative, like Trump supporter now. Yeah, he's he's a huge huge Fox Newser. He f- was the one of the first celebrities to say that coming out as a Republican is like harder than like coming out as gay or whatever. Or like coming out as a Republican in Hollywood means that like no one will ever work with you again. And that's like why we don't see Tim Allen projects anymore, which like I'm grateful for. But Tim Allen unfortunately did raise me. Like we were a home improvement family. <laughs> I wonder if I'm trying to think if there's anything in the culture now, Rose, that like exemplifies what I'm going to try and talk about. But I do think that this era, not just the era of comedies where men dress up as women, but like era of comedies that are kind of body snatchy, like hot chick or white chicks, or I was going to say Freaky Friday, but like ones where like you, like a, a man is trapped in a woman's body, things like that. Like, I think people are afraid of those narratives now. And yet they I are love, really funny. I love the hot chick. I've actually I I've I haven't seen it since like middle school. Like And White I, Chicks is so good. Did you see that video that's been going around on Twitter of the dance battle scene from White Chicks and they're dancing to songs from the new Caroline Polachek album? White Chicks, we should have a guest on to to break down White Chicks for us because like uh, that is a movie that I did watch like a year a year year and a half ago and as someone who, you know, doesn't need to like make critique on this movie, I my as a passing as observation I was like this was ahead of its time in so many ways. Like it was like a, it was like get out level, like cultural commentary that I think went under the radar because it was also extremely stupid. But you know what? Some of the stupidest movies have some of the most incisive things to say about the world. Exactly. Much like Mrs. Doubtfire, Much like sort, Mrs. Doubtfire. sort of um, predicted the, the gender discourse we would be having decades later. Mm-hmm. When Mrs. Doubtfire stood to piss at that toilet, she pissed all over Stonewall. cis heteronormativity, <laughs> um, all over J.K. Rowling's face. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you? Are you going to see? Are we going to see Sally Field in Eighty for Brady? No. Oh, we already we we have talked about. It I'm not seeing before. a sports movie. It's not a sports movie. It's it an is old lady a movie. sports movie. It's, it's a movie about, about old ladies. I'm it's not, not about it. football. I'm not seeing it. It's about football the way like Space Jam is about like basketball. You know and what I, I mean? don't like Space Jam because of that. Space Jam is, I, I also don't think, I'm not a Space Jam girl, but no. I, I don't know. Um, it's not my vibe. But I do, I do love Sally Field. Um, what, are, what are some of your other favorite Sally Field performances? <laughs> I don't know if I, I can only think of Mrs. Doubtfire and 80 for Brady. <laughs> I got the, I kind my of favorite, same. My Honestly, favorite performance is 80 for Brady. It, I don't it, know. I don't know if I've seen Sally Field in anything but Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> and like, I know she has like and, a, a long history of incredible film work. And but. well, okay, honestly, her Oscars acceptance speech is her greatest performance. Like that. Oh yeah. You, you like, like me. You really you like really me. Like me. I love Sally Field, but the fact that her rebound from what Robin Williams was literally Pierce Brosnan, literally James Bond, is just slightly unbelievable. 
Yeah. I mean, the comically attractive, like, new boyfriend trope is, like, endlessly funny to me. And Pierce Brosnan is, like, comically attractive in this movie. Isn't there a moment... Isn't there a moment... Where okay, what there's a there's a scene where Pierce Brosnan and Mrs. Doubtfire are interacting at like what a beach club or like a pool like a beach, yeah. Do you remember this? It's like pool a, it's bar? like a country club. Yeah, isn't doesn't he like have the hots for her or something or no? He, he but he he comes up to the bar to like talk to her and kind of you know he's right. trying to like get 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 in with her because he's you know romancing Sally Field. Um, a lingering question: Do you think that one of the children? of Mrs. Doubtfire grows up to be a serial killer because of how <laughs> scarred they are from this experience. Not a serial killer, but like they definitely like, you know, grew up to write like a kind of, wait, who is that child actor that just wrote a, the memoir that everyone's reading? Oh, the, that you um, talked about? I'm glad my mom died. Yeah. Who was Jeanette that? McCurdy. Yeah, I see. I see one of these kids growing up and writing like a Jeanette McCurdy esque. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad my dad transitioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes, that is the book that I that I want to read. And and it's kind of like a this is all my trauma, and yet it was all for the better. You know, um, that I think is is the story that I want to read. So, um, you know, in the realm of cross dressing, you know, Harvey Firestein is in this movie who would go on to originate the role of Edmund mm. Turnblad on mm. Broadway and Hairspray, um, which is another, like, ob- obviously iconic, you know, genderfuckery musical, much like the film, which starred Divine. And as we've said on this pod before, John Travolta's last significant performance, <laughs> which is bizarre. What? Yeah. it. <laughs> John. Okay, so Mrs. Doubtfire walked... So John Travolta in Hairspray could run. That's not, that's not at all a joke. That is no. absolutely tea. No, we, that no is... I'm being 100%. And also, I will say, John Travolta was also unclockable as Edna Turnblad. <laughs> I don't know about, I don't know, I don't know about that. I don't and, know but, about that. And that's movie magic. Well, slide into our DMs at Like a Virgin Four Twenty Sixty Nine and tell us your thoughts about Mrs. Doubtfire. Do you think it's an iconic drag film, an iconic trans film? Um, do you think um, if a Janiya Doubtfire waits in line for her estradiol at Callan Lord, is she an Apache girl, or does she go to a private practice? Um, and as always, please make sure to follow us, engage with us. We love. Um, seeing your little comments and messages. Um, you can do that on our burner at Like a Virgin for 2069. I'm your co-host, Rose Domu. You can find me anywhere online at Rose Domu. And I am Fran Torado. You can find me at Fran Squishco anywhere you want on social. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter with support from Lindsay Hoffman and Nikki Etor. Until next week, goodbye! Goodbye! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. (laughs) 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.